Okay, you guys ready for a little out with the old, in with the new? Because I love some good data, especially some new data. And data that's really important because it's data that saves lives. So today I'm talking with an ambassador from the Count the Kicks organization. It's also an app. And it's all about the prevention, prevention, okay? Saving lives through prevention of stillbirth. I cannot wait for you to hear this episode. If you are pregnant, if you know someone who is pregnant, please share this episode with them. It is really, really important that we spread the word. If you know anybody who's pregnant, let's listen to today's episode and then just start talking about the importance of Count the Kicks, the new data in this app and organization. All right, you ready to hear from Roxanne? Okay, let's get to it. What does a contraction feel like? How do I know if I'm in labor? And what does a day of labor look like? Wait, is this normal? Hey, I'm Heidi. My best friends call me Hydes. I'm a certified birth doula, host of this podcast, and author of Birth Story, an interactive pregnancy guidebook. I have supported hundreds of women through their labor and deliveries, and I believe every one of them and you deserves a microphone and a stage. So here we are. Listen each week to get answers to these tough questions. Birth Story, where we talk about pregnancy, labor, deliveries, where we tell our stories and share our feelings. And of course, chat about our favorite baby products and motherhood. And because I'm passionate about birth outcomes, you will hear from some of the top experts in labor and delivery. Whether you are pregnant, trying desperately to get pregnant, or you just love a good birth story, I hope you will stick around and be part of this birth story family. So like, let's say you're pregnant. That's why you're listening to the birth story podcast and you're preparing for a hospital birth that's upcoming. And of course, this podcast gives you tons of free information, right? But like, do you really understand the stages of labor? How to know when you're in labor? What if you have to have an induction? What about a cesarean section? What about all of the decisions that you have to make once you get to the hospital? So you get there and then they put you in triage. Birth Story Academy walks you through all the things that happen, like that rapid fire with like monitoring and blood work and questions and IV ports and do you want an epidural? I don't know, do you? In Birth Story Academy, we literally break down all of those decisions, pros, cons, risks, benefits, intuition, and like we get into it. We make birth plans, we do birth visions, we listen to birth affirmations and parenting affirmations. And at the end of it, like you know exactly what's going to happen when you go into labor and when you get to the hospital. What's going to happen after you give birth? Newborn care preferences, how to take care of your baby. So I guess what I'm getting at is if you're not in Birth Story Academy, what's your plan? right? Like I want to be your teacher. I want you to come join me in Birth Story Academy and let me walk you through all of the decisions that you have to make if you're having a hospital birth and how to have body autonomy and how to have informed consent and informed refusal. I'm going to teach you and your partner, if you have one, everything that you need to know about 
birthing in a hospital so that you can walk in that door with some swagger, with some confidence, like wash that anxiety away because you learned everything you needed to learn in Birth Story Academy and you are ready to crush that birth, right? Okay, let's do it. And let's get to this episode. Hey, Roxanne, thanks for being on the podcast today. Hi, Heidi. Thank you so much for having me. So you guys, Roxanne and I met recently at a birth and Roxanne's labor and delivery nurse and I'm a doula. And so Mm -hmm. we were working side by side and I found out Roxanne was a travel nurse and she reached out and we started chatting. And so that's how we got connected for today's episode. Um, on count the kicks. So Roxanne, I know you're an ambassador for this amazing organization. So I'll let you just kick it off there. Tell us a little bit about who you are and why you started volunteering as an ambassador for this organization. Yeah, so I am a labor and delivery nurse. I've been a nurse for about five years now. Um, I started, well, I'm from Iowa and Count the Kicks started in Iowa. And so in the hospital clinics, you would see it promoted everywhere. There's physicians from Iowa on the board, um, that utilize Count the Kicks in their offices. Um, and so it's very well known there. So when I started traveling, I just wanted to share it with more states, more patients, more people across the U S. Um, but I really got involved because we did see stillbirth. There, there are stillbirths in hospitals all over. Um, it's just devastating. And just being a part of them in hospitals, I just had this feeling of we had like programs to support parents going through that. But I just kept thinking, how can we keep these from happening? Like, are these preventable? And so as I looked into Count the Kicks more, I realized like there's research out there showing that if we can track babies' movements, figure out what there's nor- what their normal is, we can help reduce stillbirths. And so I just wanted to be a part of that, wanted to see this change and just didn't want to see families go through this if there's a way to prevent it. So that's how I got involved. It's amazing. Okay, so as we get started into this conversation, it's such an important conversation. I hope you guys will stick with us, even though it's a tough topic, Mm -hmm. right? Like no one really wants to talk about stillbirth. But what we're really talking about today is the prevention of stillbirth through something that you can be an active participant in the prevention. Now, what you're not going to hear Roxanne and I say is that we can eliminate stillbirth, right? So if you are listening and you are a parent who had a stillbirth, if you are a family member, if you're a friend, um, we feel very deeply for your story and it impacts us as birth workers. And that's why we're on today because if we can even prevent one stillbirth, then it was all worth a tough conversation. Um, but it's very important that we acknowledge that not not every stillbirth is preventable, okay? But some are, and some very obvious medical things that we're going to potentially talk about today. So, Roxanne, tell us a little bit about 
Count the Kicks organization and where it got started, why it got started. So it got started by five women who had um, either a stillbirth or like an infant loss at a very young, like very young age, like soon after delivery. And so these women, um, this, it, they lost their daughters in like the early 2000s and they kind of came together. They grieved together. They are connected through like friends and pastors and people who kind of knew they're all going through similar things. And so they all got together and they just didn't want other moms, other parents to go through this. And so they were like looking into research and figuring out what can we do? They found a study from Norway that was looking at parents tracking their baby's movements, figuring out their normal patterns, and then, you know, letting providers know if something changed in Norway itself saw a 30% reduction in stillbirths. And so these moms were like, oh my gosh, we need to implement something like this here. And so they just collaborated um, and developed the Count the Kicks app. And so this app is free. You can download it. Um, you can connect it to like Apple Watch. Um, there's also online charts you can print out if that's easier for you. You can do it on the website. But basically what these um, moms helped to create was to see how many, how long it takes your baby to make 10 movements and to recognize that pattern so that if that pattern changes, you can notify your provider get evaluated and see if there's anything else going on that you just can't see because we can't look through somebody's <laughs> pregnant belly and see the baby and see what's going on. Right. So and some that of communication it, helps. It does. And we don't even know all the things that we're looking for, right? Like, um, do, Roxanne, do you know that the main causes for stillbirth? Yeah. Um, sometimes it's sometimes doctors will look back and they can't figure out why, no matter what kind of testing they do. But sometimes it's um, blood throat, blood flow through the umbilical cord, whether or not um, it's less flow or if there's a knot in the cord or if the cord is wrapped around something, whether it's, you know, a baby. Um, it can be like the placenta is not working as well as it needs to. Um, those are just a few things. Yeah. And like Roxanne said, like as great as ultrasounds are, mm -hmm. I mean, we still can't tell in an ultrasound if the cord is wrapped around a baby's neck. So, um, you know, ultrasound technology only goes so far. Imaging only goes so far. Um, Roxanne, I think we forgot to define stillbirth. Could you define stillbirth yeah. for the audience? So there um, we have a clear understanding of the exact situation that we're talking Perfect. about? Yes. Stillbirth is defined as uh, the loss of a baby during pregnancy at 20 weeks or greater. And so something that's really helpful with Count the Kicks is you can start tracking movement as soon as you feel it, but um, ACOG um, recommends parents start tracking movement at 28 weeks gestation or 26 weeks if you have like twins or triplets um, or if you have like a higher risk pregnancy. Sure. So mm -hmm. before I met Roxanne, just a month and a half ago, and before we came to this conversation and the acknowledgement of this organization, I had no idea that stillbirth was preventable. And I have two children, 
And I have gone through two pregnancies in which I will tell you guys, I did not count the kicks. I was told that as long as my baby had 10 movements within one to two hours, there was nothing to worry about and that really I didn't need to count the kicks. And if that caused me anxiety, don't worry about it. Now, what's the problem with that message? Well, that message as a birth worker who hosts a podcast that reaches hundreds of thousands of people and as a doula who supported 1,500 families, that message got repeated over and over and over again. I think even on this podcast, I've probably laughed about like, oh, that caused me a lot of anxiety, so I just didn't do it. So Roxanne and I came together because we're really flipping the narrative now um, and we're pushing away all that old information that is just frankly not evidence-based and is outdated and we're replacing that narrative and that conversation today with current research, truth, and accuracy so that we don't have more years where five moms are hanging out and bonding over the fact that their daughters passed away before they even got a chance to give birth. So let's dig into that a little bit more. I just debunked like one of the myths, but can you go through Roxanne, some of the myths that listeners are hearing right now that just have to stop. Yeah. Um, Heidi had mentioned that kind of reference range of getting 10 movements over two hours and count the kicks has this new research out. Um, and so we know that, that, that range or that, you know, thing to hit is outdated. And so Count the Kicks is actually published in two different journals, the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology, and then also the British Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology. And so that's really neat just to show that the Count the Kicks is evidence-based, figuring out your baby's normal pattern of pattern of movement. Not, I mean, if there's other methods you want to use, that that's awesome. It's just kind of that message of knowing your baby's normal movements. And that's um, the evidence-based research we have now. So another cool thing of the research that Count the Kicks did was a survey of moms who used the Count the Kicks app. And they they talked to 809 women. And a lot of times people will say that it might make them anxious, like Heidi said about counting the kicks, because it is a scary thing. You don't want anything to happen to your baby. But 77% of these women that use the app said that it reduced their anxiety about the well-being of their baby. So it can actually help. Um, and then 84% of the users says that it helped them to increase their feelings of bonding and connection with their baby. So not only was it decreasing their anxiety, but it was helping them feel more bonded with their baby. So it's a huge way just to bond, connect, commute, like let your baby communicate with you before they're even born and maybe even learn a little bit about their personality, what time of day they're most active and they could end up being that active after they're born. Um, And it's a cool way to get like siblings involved and partners involved in the baby's movement. But anyway, so it's just so neat to see this is evidence-based. 
that there are things that are outdated. Another myth that's outdated is that if the baby's not moving like normal, you should sit down, lay on your side, drink something cold, eat something sugary, which can help the baby move more. But we want to see if there's any underlying issues. And so if the baby's not moving normally, there's a reason to be evaluated and we shouldn't try to address it with like drinks, sugar. We should look into it and see, is there a root cause to this? Roxanne, so that's another myth. I'm super guilty of that one. We shared about that. Roxanne joined mm-hmm. my monthly doula um, clients like meetup. We do like a monthly Zoom and she shared with our community. And I think everyone on the call is like, well, I think Heidi and my, her, my work partner Colin told us to do that while we called triage. I mean, I'm super guilty of being like, lay down, drink something cold, drink something sugary, call triage. I think what this new data and research is showing from Count the Kicks is that when there is a change in your baby's movements, Mm -hmm. how long does it take your baby to achieve 10 movements? Maybe your baby gets 10 movements in five minutes every day. And if one day it takes your baby 40 minutes to get 10 movements, don't lay down and drink a sugary drink and or something cold. If you've ever heard that on this podcast, I'm sorry. So Roxanne, what should they do if their baby's movements significantly change, right? We're getting to know our baby and my baby, I'm just using this for reference. My baby gets 10 minutes, gets 10 minutes, gets 10 kicks every in five minutes, every time. And today it's been 40 minutes. What do I do? Well, first, when you're counting your baby's movements, I don't think we've talked about this yet. You want to pick the same time every day okay. and you want to pick the time they're the most active. Okay. And it can also be a range of time. So it's, it might be easy to get caught up at like 8am every day. I have to do it. If it's like closer to 830 or nine, or just kind of a range is morning. Is it afternoon? Is it mid afternoon? Is it evening kind of pick that time of day. And that's when you're going to want to count. Oh, okay. Well, mine was always 10 p.m., right, as I was trying to go to bed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Can anyone relate to that? Like, I was like, I'm so tired. I'm going to go to sleep right now. And each one of my kids is like, boom, 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 boom. Right. And I was like, didn't hear from you all day. (laughs) Here you are. So same time every day when your baby's the most active. Okay. Yes. And again, 26 weeks high risk, 28 weeks everybody else. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the movements you're looking for, are like kicks, jabs, rolls, swishes, things like that. Some people want to count hiccups, but hiccups is more like an involuntary movement. And so it's not really expressing like your baby's well-being, their their own movement, their own voluntary movement. So hiccups can feel more like rhythmic, spastic, if someone's ever, if you haven't felt them before. Um, but yeah, those are the kind of movements you want to feel for. Okay, perfect. Yes. And I will mm-hmm. say from someone who had very hiccupy babies, you can also sometimes watch your belly in a rhythmic boom, boom, oh. boom. And my belly would move in the same spot versus movement. Um, the baby is typically um, bumping into all parts of your uterus. Right. So, mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so now that we know how to accurately count kicks, to go back to that example, what happens, or not what happens, 
what should someone do? How should they respond Mm -hmm. if there's a change? Yeah. I think first, um, just know that you have noticed something different and feel empowered to speak up, feel empowered to call your provider if it's clinic hours, if that's how you normally communicate with your doctor, let them know. Sometimes they may have you come into the clinic to do something called a non-stress test, which I can talk about what that is in a little bit. They might send you to triage, which is usually, which is in the hospital. Most OB units have it, or just go to your labor and delivery unit. They don't have triage because those nurses do the triage, the labor nurses. And there they'll do the same thing, the non-stress test, and then be communicating with your provider. If you call your provider and they um, aren't understanding what your concerns are, you can just go to triage, go to the labor unit. Not everyone that comes to our labor units or triage thinks they're in labor. Some come for a decreased fetal movement. And I always say, thank you for coming. It's so good just to make sure that your baby's okay. So never feel like you shouldn't go or that that's not a reason to go because it definitely is. That's the safety and well-being of your baby. And that's a place where you can get that evaluation. Mm-hmm. Even if you find out everything is perfectly mm-hmm. fine on that non-stress yeah. test and they send you home. Perfect. That's exactly what you were there for. That's what you were hoping for. Right. Exactly. But mm-hmm. if there was a change, then it is something that potentially um, your medical team could act upon. Right. Mm-hmm. To help mm-hmm. you and your baby. So. Yeah. Um, I'm going to tell a story, Roxanne. So you guys, Roxanne came on my group, like I was talking about. And um, many of my clients are like beyond 28 weeks gestation or my higher risk beyond 26. And so they all kind of downloaded. I was joking, like, did your company notice we had like a zillion downloads of Count the Kick apps within like five minutes? But like we had everybody download the app. And um, many of my clients were already noticing or paying attention. Within 10 days of that conversation, one of my clients called and said, there is a change in the baby's movements, not only on the app, but just knowing this. Like I, even before I started with Count the Kicks, I was noticing uh, movements and there's been a change in the movements. They're just slower. They're not as many. And she used the word muffled. They just feel kind Mm -hmm. of muffled. Yeah. So she actually went to an OB urgent care, which is something that we have in my area. They're freestanding urgent cares in which you can get a non-stress test. And guess what happened to her, Roxanne? She got totally gaslit. They were like, yeah, they were like, why are you here? They hooked her up, listened to the baby's heartbeat. Everything seemed fine. And they sent her on her way. And she was like, I really want an ultrasound. So she she was like, I'm not leaving. So she advocated for an ultrasound after totally being gaslit. And they never heard of Count the Kicks. And they were like, but you got 10 movements in two hours. What are you worried about? Again, all these people are trained on old, old data, data that does not support the prevention of stillbirth. Yeah. And guess what? She got an ultrasound. And guess what that ultrasound showed? Can you just take a guess? I'm just wondering as a labor and delivery nurse, give me your best guess. There is something going on. I used the word muffled. And she said muffled, um, softer. And um, she was 34 weeks gestation. Do you want to take a guess or you want me to tell you? 
Okay, it's either maybe decreased fluid or she has some sort of bleeding. So you got it on Neither. your you got it on your first try, but opposite. So too actually much too much fluid. So okay. she was diagnosed with polyhydramniosis, which is increased too too much fluid. And you guys don't even think about this. It changes per gestation. So I'm not even going to go into what her fluid was because it's based on your gestation. And fluid actually naturally decreases at the end of pregnancy. So her fluid was very high and her placenta was anterior on the front. So the combination of that soft, pillowy, anterior placenta on the front and all of the sudden an, a significant increase in amniotic fluid. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't know why she has polyhydramniosis, but she was able to get a doctor's appointment within a couple of days. She's now being monitored more frequently by MFM. She's continuing to do count the kicks. Um, and now her baseline has changed for count the kicks and the way it feels. And um, likely we're facing an earlier induction um, which arguably, I can't say this, but the data says this is the, is right there, the prevention of stillbirth. So within 10 days, you guys of Roxanne having this conversation, one person's life was changed already. How powerful is this information? Okay. So yeah, what other- so even just like that example, they're able, you know, moms can get those ultrasounds. Doctors might notice things sooner than if, you know, her pregnancy would have continued and then they might have noticed that later. And then they can maybe figure out what is calling, causing this polyhydramnios and then maybe have another thing during her pregnancy that could help help it. So, yeah, it's really amazing how, how much faster certain things can be noticed, even just based on her baby's movement. So. Yeah, I'm glad that she got that care and I'm glad she stood up for herself. So it's super important just to keep asking for what you need. If your NST turns out fine, you still don't feel great about it. Ask for that ultrasound, get that. It's called a biophysical profile where they're looking at the amount of amniotic fluid in there. They're looking at the baby's like muscle tone. So whether they're kind of like floppy and tired or they're kind of moving around, um, then they look at that movement of the limbs and then they look at the baby's like using the certain muscles we use to breathe inside. So um, and babies can get scores for that and then further evaluation from the provider if needed. But yeah, I love how she advocated for herself and got more information because that, that helped with the rest of her pregnancy. Yeah. And one of the other things that I wanted to share is that whether you have Medicaid or Medicare or commercial insurance in your pregnancy, that this decreased fetal movement is a diagnostic and a procedure code that is covered under insurance. So I know a lot of people are like, I don't want to go call an ambulance or go to the emergency room because I'm afraid of how much it's going to cost. We want you to go because these are things that are going to be covered under your insurance. You're not going to be paying out of pocket when you have Medicare, Medicaid, or commercial insurance for going to check on your baby. So um, I just really wanted to give that assurance because I hear sometimes that can be a barrier. Like people are afraid of the copay and the cost just just go in. So there's a couple other myths I want you to cover, Roxanne. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about um, when people say, I can just use a Doppler to monitor mm-hmm. the baby? Yeah. So Dopplers can all be different. Um, and then also it's just recommended that you only use a Doppler like in supervision of your provider, just because they know more about, you know, the, how the heart rate should sound and what the 
rate should be. And then also, um, sometimes the heartbeat is one of the last things to show that the baby's in distress. And so the movement can be the earliest sign. And sometimes like the one sign you do want to pay attention to and do respond to when it happens, because that can show us whether or not, you know, the baby needs to be, that can just, yeah, if the baby needs to be evaluated. So, um, yeah. So I wanted to you to elaborate on that last little part, right? So out with the mm-hmm. Doppler, you guys, um, first of all, the FDA has a warning against um, using Doppler devices also at home, um, as well as using um, extra ultrasounds, right? Okay. Like, mm-hmm. you know, how people go in and do that, um, like not medically, they go pay $400 or something to go get pictures of their baby on ultrasound. So the FDA has kind of come out and said with Doppler devices and extra ultrasounds, like those are, um, I'm not gonna say contraindicated, but like, you know, highly don't do that. Um, but specifically what you said about um, the baby's heart rate. So then people listening right now are like, well, then why do they want to monitor the heart rate so closely when I'm in labor? So could you talk about the end of pregnancy and labor? And like, yeah. what if you're in the middle of, you know, early labor and people will say like, oh, the baby just naturally gets quiet in labor? One thing with the Doppler too is it really just might tell you, you know, you can't see a tracing on it. Maybe there's devices out there, but what's helpful when you're in the doctor's office or, you know, labor or triage, you can see the tracing of the baby's heart rate. And that kind of tells us um, the oxygenation, the well-being of the baby by how that looks. And so when you have a Doppler, you might just see a number or you might just hear a sound. You're not seeing like what's the pattern of the baby's heart rate. So it's like the pattern of the baby's heart rate and the pattern of the baby's movement communicates so much more to us than just the number of the baby's heartbeat. And in any moment, the baby's heartbeat could be great. But then maybe 10 minutes later, there's something that's going on, but you're not seeing it with the Doppler because you either stopped using it or you're not seeing the tracing. So that's another reason why the Doppler doesn't always give us a full picture. And so when you go into your provider, they might, you know, for your, like your prenatal visit, they might listen to your baby, but then they'll, they should be asking you, how's the baby's movement? And so if you were to say, Hey, it's decreased, then they should be offering an NST anyway. So that's, that's, um, those are some more reasons for the Doppler. Yeah. Thank you so Um, much for that clarification. Do you want to define non-stress test for everybody in NST? Of course. Yeah. Non-stress test. So typically it's about 20 minutes long. Um, they put on two monitors, one that's older sound monitor that just like traces the heart rate and you can hear the heart rate on the monitor. And then the other one is for contractions, the other monitor on your belly. So on the fetal monitor strip, there is the top line is the baby's heart rate. And it can be anywhere from like kind of a straight line to like squiggly Um, We want to see it super squiggly because that shows us that the baby is well oxygenated. We also want to see that it's increasing by, so like, let's say it starts at 130, which is great. You want your baby's heart rate between 110 and 160. And again, it's unique to that baby of what their average heartbeat is. So let's say your baby's average heartbeat is like 130 beats per minute. So on your fetal monitor strip, you're going to have a squiggly line on the 130, and then we want to see increase. It's called an acceleration up 15 beats, 
for 15 seconds long. So then that would be up to 145 for at least 15 seconds and then come back to that 130. We wanna see two to three of those increases within that 20 minute um, time of the non-stress test. And that shows us the baby's well oxygenated with squiggly lines called variability and then the increase that is the accelerations. Um, so if for some reason that NST isn't, doesn't have those qualities, then that's when they would go to the biophysical profile, which is again, looking at the tone of the baby, the amniotic fluid, um, the baby's like limb and body movement, and then the baby's like movement and breathing. So does that help answer the question? Yeah, that's okay. Perfect. That's super helpful. And the abbreviations mm -hmm. are an NST or a BPP. So those may be some things that you hear. Um, and then you heard Roxanne talk about like when you're there and you talk about movements, part of count the kicks is this app, or like she said, you can go print off the worksheets, but like bring this to your prenatal visit. Every mm -hmm. visit after 26 weeks, you should be having a conversation with your provider about fetal movements and show them the app, show them your tracking, right? So that mm -hmm. together as a team, you're looking for changes. These are also things that you could print those sheets, write it out, and you could ask for it to be uploaded into your chart. So, mm -hmm. um, so another myth that's going to lead me from pregnancy into like kind of labor is you'll hear people say babies kick less or move less at the end of pregnancy. Is that true? No, it's not. Their movements are just different. So the beginning of pregnancy, it might feel like more swishing, you know, around, or I don't, maybe Heidi can explain more about those early I don't movements. know, gas bubbles, um, butterflies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then more into it, you might feel like those like kicks, jabs, rolls, like babies do have a lot more space, but then as they get um, closer to labor, they might, they know, they, they still have room to move. They're just movements are going to be different. It might just be, um, it might not just be like that, you know, you, you feel like an arm going all the way across your abdomen. It might just be like a little jab or something like that. So, and then one thing that's really neat on count the kicks too, is you can, um, measure the strength of the movement. So, um, the strength should be the same throughout the pregnancy. Oh, yeah, that's a good thing, too. Now, mm -hmm. um, I do know on the contraction timer apps, they are hilarious, mm -hmm. you guys. Please just take it with a grain of salt. If you're using a contraction timer app and you get to five minutes apart, contractions lasting for a minute, the app goes, go to, to the hospital, go to the hospital. And my, sometimes I have home birth clients that are like, what freaking hospital, you know? And we're all laughing. And, and even if my clients are going to the hospital, I'm like, oh, you're not in active labor until your contractions are two to three minutes apart, lasting for 60 to 90 seconds. And that's been going on for at least an hour. So I'm like, you know, this very conservative <laughs> 511 thing is also to me very outdated, more 311. Um, is a more appropriate time to make some moves mm -hmm. if you have to make them. Now, but what I'm getting at is that app shouts at you, go. Does the Count the Kicks app do any kind of that calculation for you? Does it say, hey, Roxanne, there was a change in your baby's movements over the last three days compared to the last three weeks? 
You know what? I honestly am not sure, but I would love to ask about that and get back to you. And if it's not doing that, then we should really try to add that feature because that'd be really helpful. Yeah. But you do get that data yourself to view and to kind of go, okay, look on this day, it took me 30 minutes on this day. It took me an hour you know? And so, but yeah, it'd be great if it could flag. Yeah. Well, if, you if get, it doesn't already, if you get an answer, then we'll just go um, like live on Instagram and we'll answer it. But each of you yeah. guys listening, all you have to do is from your Android, your Apple, whatever device you have, either go to the count the kicks um, website or download the app and just start exploring it. Just start mm-hmm. like looking, you know, add your child or this pregnancy in and start, Mm -hmm. um, start exploring it. And, um, and so can you talk a little bit about the website? Because I do Mm want to be very careful that not everybody has access to a cell phone. So for everyone that doesn't have access to a printer or a cell phone, like how are we making this information accessible? Yeah. Um, so the website is countthehicks.org. And on there, there's like more information on like why to count. There's something called the Parent Academy. And so there's like more resources, more education on there for you. Um, On the website, there's also a place where you can plug in your zip code. And so if you're going to, if you need like some free resources that you plug in your zip code and then it, it shares free resources in your community, there's also um, a or a part on the website that's about baby saves. And so it gives stories and pictures of babies um, that were saved through the use of Count the Kicks. And so it's kind of fun to go through and read those stories. Um, There's a list of the providers that help back up Count the Kicks. There's the research um, links in here too. And then if you wanted to like share materials with people, there's a way to order pamphlets and um, posters to hand out or put in clinics or wherever you, if you're, if you're a birth worker, if you want to take it to like anywhere you're involved, you can do that as well. Yeah. Amazing. So I just wanted to Mm -hmm. let you know on that note, I did um, have an opportunity to get an audience with like some of the biggest executives in our biggest healthcare system last week. And I introduced Count the Kicks and I've got to follow up with them on getting these posters in uh, in all of our offices um, in Charlotte, North Carolina. And Roxanne's currently traveling as a labor and delivery nurse. So coming soon (laughs) to an OB office near you. But you guys, (laughs) each of you can be the change, right? You guys, Mm -hmm. all you have to do is say, I was listening to this podcast and do you know about Count the Kicks? And I want to incorporate it into my pregnancy. And I think you should start talking to other of your patients about it too. So um, we can all be ambassadors like Roxanne Mm -hmm. um, by just using our voice and speaking up for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So Roxanne, let's just, I've got a couple labor and delivery questions for you. So that's what I'm going to end on. But before I get to that, um, let's just quickly summarize again, um, just like, the summary of what we just said with count the kicks. So like, let's bring it home. Yeah. So research saying that mom should feel 10 movements over two hours is being shown to be more outdated. And there's new research out there showing that it's um, better, better for you to track your baby's movements by how long it takes your specific baby 
to make those 10 movements and figuring out the normal pattern of your baby. So that if there is a change in the normal pattern of your baby, you can notify a provider and make sure that your baby's doing well. Okay. And so Count the Kicks provides an app where you can help track those movements and actually have data to see how long it takes your baby to move. Okay. And we're going to start that at 26 weeks if you're high risk, 28 mm-hmm. weeks if you are a non-high risk pregnancy, and you're going to do it at the same time every day when your baby is the most active. Got it, yeah. everybody? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And then this app is also in 16 different languages, and it, um, you can track twins on it as well. And then how do Another you do A and B? I was going to say, how do you, I guess I've never been pregnant with twins. So that's yeah. anyone who's been pregnant with twins is like, Heidi, that's so obvious. But <laughs> um, I guess you just yeah. know which one's A and which one's B. Right, right. Just depending on where they're move, you know, where they usually are laying and then where their movements are. Um, the other thing, two other myths I wanted to talk about was um, if you're like, some people might say, well, my baby's moving all the time. So I don't, I don't need to track movements. They're always moving. And so like, that's great if your baby's moving all the time. I think the important thing is figuring out what's normal for your baby so that if there is a change, you, you just know right away and you don't have to guess if it's a change or not. And then another myth is that only those who have a high risk pregnancy should count their kicks. And so everybody needs to count their kicks because every baby's different. Every pregnancy is different and you need to like the research is showing that it's important to uh, monitor your, your baby's specific movements, like we've been saying um, throughout this podcast. So even if you don't have a high-risk pregnancy, it's still really good to monitor what's normal for your baby. Yeah. Now, as we close, Roxanne, I just wanted to ask you a couple questions about labor and delivery. So I'm going to ask a fun question. Like if you could look back at your five-year career, what has been your best day at work? Um, that's so hard because I feel like, like almost every day is one of my best days. Like, I just love being there to be with parents as they're like bringing their babies into the world and just loving to get to be a part of a delivery, getting to use like different skill sets, um, just to help their babies get there safely, including like probably things you guys talk about, like spinning babies movement and things like that. So there was like one day where this couple came in and they're having triplets and it's just, I think it just shows like how much births are amazing. It's it's just because like once one was born, you're like, oh, that's so exciting. And then you're like, but there's another baby and then another one comes and then they're like, but then there's another one. So that's a story that sticks out in my mind, just the excitement of um, just deliveries. But yeah. That's so so cool. I've, I've Mm -hmm. been part of many twins, but I've never been part of triplets or greater. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that one would definitely stick in the memory jar. Um, Is there a particular birth story that is really special to you? Well, the other day, it's just the other day I had a couple, it was her first baby and um she had to be induced for like a medical reason and it just was taking a you know sometimes with first moms it can take a while especially with induction but it's always so exciting when 
the moms, you know, are able to get their body into labor, their body's responsive and just the different things that they're doing, it's working for them. Um, and then it gets to a point where like you, you just, they just had a cervical exam of like maybe three or four. And then like two hours later, they're complete and ready to start pushing. And it's just so exciting when you just see, um, how different things that you're doing for them, your support, the way their bodies um, work, you know, uh, how their body is, you know, corresponding with them and anything else we're doing. And so it's just super exciting to be there and just to feel like so rewarded that like this mom was able to have the kind of birth she wanted and her, you know, it's just fun to be a part of that. So Yeah. I notice a lot on my shifts that the nurses change shifts and we'll get so close. Maybe we're even like the, the birthing person's pushing and, um, and then the nurse is like kissing her on the forehead and saying goodbye Mm. because their shift is over and they're like, Oh, so I would think that would be really hard, um, to miss the like grand finale. You know, it really is hard. And so I always love when I can see a delivery that day, you know, you're with that person for potentially like the full 12 hours. And so it's just really neat to get to see the baby born at the end of the day and all the work that you that they did, but that you're able to support them through throughout the day. So and then just get to see their little baby and see their responses like it's so hard to pick just one story because it's always beautiful. It's always fun. It's always just like rewarding and just exciting time in people's lives. So. Yeah. Well, Roxanne, I'm really thankful for you to be on the podcast today. You guys, before we got started, Roxanne and I both talked about the fact that we as birth workers have been part of supporting clients that have suffered a stillbirth. And um, we just talked about like the happy parts of our job and how amazing it is. Um, But just a reminder that your OB, your midwife, your labor and delivery nurse, your doula, um, they have to see some hard things on their shifts also. And so um, it's really hard sometimes to, to see something hard and then come back to work the next mm-hmm. day. So Roxanne, I'm just so thankful for you. Um, I know that this podcast episode, just like it already talking to in our small group, it has already potentially changed an outcome. I know this podcast episode is going to change outcomes. And I know that the Count the Kicks app and organization is saving so many lives. And I'm very grateful to your founders and your CEO and the women that came together in tragedy to um, be proactive to help the persons coming behind them. So please Mm -hmm. send my love to your organization. And um, thank you so much for being here. You guys, Roxanne is traveling. She's got blonde hair, she's got black glasses, and her name's Rockanne McAllister. So if you see that name tag, you tell her, I listen to your podcast episode on the Birth Story podcast, and you guys can bond in your labor. It will be fun. So thanks for being here. Thank thank you, Heidi. It was so fun to get to talk with you and just get to hear how this is impacting people. And again, if it can just help one family, that's totally worth it. So uh, Excellent. And all of the links 
are in the show notes Roxanne has provided. And so (laughs) if you were just driving today and you're like, what was the name of that? Just hit the link and you'll be able to download it on whatever platform you're using. Thanks for being here, you guys. Thank you for listening to Birth Story. My goal is you will walk away from each episode with a clear picture of how labor and delivery might go and that you will feel empowered by the end of your pregnancy to speak up, plan and prepare for the birth you want, no matter what that looks like.